Welcome to Alphabet Soup, a podcast where we're going to work our way through a wide variety of biblical topics using the alphabet. Our goal, of course, is to understand the Bible better, but we also want to find ways in which Scripture applies to our daily lives. So with that intro, let's get to it. Welcome back to part two of A is for And. Before we get directly to John 1.17, I want to tell you why it is we're doing this. It was, it was um, prompted in my mind by a news story about Kate Cox, the Texas woman who uh, was pregnant with a child that was diagnosed in womb, in utero, with trisomy 18. I don't know if you know about that. Uh, I did not know a lot about it at all until uh, a couple of uh, friends of ours uh, discovered that she was pregnant with a, a child with trisomy 18. There are other variations. There's trisomy 13. It is a genetic uh, problem where one of the chromosomes, instead of having two legs, has three. It involves, uh, in each case of trisomy, it involves serious uh, problems. The, uh, the child typically dies in utero. A majority of them die in utero. Those who live to birth live hours, maybe weeks. Uh, there are all kinds of serious issues, genetic uh, issues, with the child. Um, Kate Cox wanted to have a therapeutic abortion. And, and you may not like the word therapeutic, but in this case, I think legitimately it fits. She wanted to have an abortion because not only is it certain that the child will die, the, the deformities are going to be so serious. There's no way it can survive for anything more than days or at the most weeks outside of the womb. And will it suffer? Um, but but giving birth, carrying the baby to term, they said, also threatened her ability to have children in the future. She never wanted to have an abortion. That was never something that she would have considered. Except now, if she does not have an abortion, there's the very real possibility that she will never be able to bear children at all. And that has always been a dream of hers. The problem is she's in Texas. And Texas has one of the nation's strictest anti-abortion laws. And so she went to the court and petitioned the court. Uh, whatever court, I don't know what level it was, I don't recall, but said yes. The uh, state attorney general appealed this, this ruling to the state Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said no, she could not have an abortion because it didn't threaten her life. The way the Texas law is written, an abortion is permitted only if it threatens the mother's life, and in this case, it threatened her fertility going forward. And so she couldn't. Now, in this case, Kate Cox had the financial ability to travel to a state where she could get her abortion. And that's the last I heard. And that was probably three, four days ago that I heard she had left the state to go, and they didn't say where, good on them, to get an abortion. Presumably, she'll return to the state of Texas because that's where she and her husband live, okay? Um, It's okay. Abortion is bad. Abortion takes the life of a child. That's neat and tidy. That is mosaic law stuff. That is all the tools on the garage wall outlined so that they go exactly back where they belong. But is that right here? Is that the best thing we can do here? This took me has these kinds of things because, hey, this isn't the first time I've thought about this. As a pastor, I came up with these kinds of situations all the time. John 1.17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth 
came through Jesus Christ. And it is that use of the word and there that just grabs me by the heartstrings. Grace and truth, which are so often put in opposition to each other by Christians, by, by frankly, all people, but especially by Christians. And we stand on one side of the room or the other, and one side yells for truth. We've got to have truth. There have to be rules and regulations. People have to be held accountable. And there's right and wrong instead of this fuzzy, mushy, gray area that holds anything and everything. And then there are people on the other side of the room that say, have you forgotten compassion? What about grace? What about understanding that, that life isn't always that kind of black and white? Okay, so John begins his gospel. He's 17 verses in, and he says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, start thinking about examples from the earthly ministry of Christ, where grace and truth that's what I did. I, I started, you know, I, I go through, I've got this like, I, I call it my, my mental Rolodex. And I start spinning my Rolodex, trying to think of passages in the Gospels where Christ blended grace and truth. Because that's who, that's who he is. John 8, there was a woman caught in adultery. And the Pharisees brought her to Jesus uh, so that he, and, and this was a trick on, on their part, so he could sanction uh, her uh, stoning because that's what the Mosaic Law says, black and white, uh, hammers on the, on the wall with, with an outline around them. It says that the individual who's guilty of adultery shall be stoned to death. Mosaic Law, there it is. And the Mosaic Law is in full effect in the Gospels. And so what does he do? We don't know. This drives me crazy. I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't, but I, it says he kneeled down and he wrote something in the sand. And, and, and what he wrote, we don't know. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to know? And one day we will. But, but when he was done writing, it wasn't a word because it says when he was done writing, he looked up and, and all those accusers had left. And then he looks at the woman. And what does he say? Go and sin no more. Do you hear both grace and and truth. Grace, go. Truth, that was sin. Don't do that again. That was wrong. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John 4, the Samaritan woman. He comes to this woman at the well who's been married, who's been married, what was it, seven times? I don't recall exactly. I think it was seven times. And then he says, and the one, the man with whom you're living now is not your husband. So they were just living together out of wedlock, which again, would be a stoning offense in the Old Testament. And what does he do? He says, I I've got water for you, a water. Have you ever been there? See, as a pastor, I have. I've been with people who have stepped outside of black and white and screwed up sometimes big time and okay it's time to roll out church discipline shut up and think about this is the, now sometimes and and i've been there too and maybe maybe when we get to d we'll do church discipline but i've been in situations where as a church we had to exercise church discipline but sometimes the situation calls for grace and truth. Peter betrayed his Savior. He lied. Don't bear false witness. He lied. I don't know this guy. I've got nothing to do with him. 
And hours, hours later, Christ is saying, Peter, if you love my sheep, go feed them for me. That's grace and truth. Psalm 103, verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Oh, I'm glad he doesn't, man, or I'd be a dead man decades ago. Um, He does not repay us. Has he repaid you according to your sins? He has not. He has been gracious to you. He's been gracious to me. He has has been patient. Yeah, has not paid me as my sins deserve. Is not now repaying me as my sins deserve. And we are to be Christ-like. We're to be gracious um, with others who, who, uh, are, who stand opposed to truth. This is difficult. Uh, this may be one of the most difficult things of being a thoughtful, attentive Christian, especially if you're in a position of leadership, frankly. It's not absolute. The world is not black and white, huh? Go and sin, um, go and sin no more, okay? That's graciousness. It is both grace and truth. But, but even these situations, when do we apply truth? When do we apply grace? When do we apply a measure of both? That is, in itself is not absolute, which means that sometimes we're going to get this wrong. What do we do then? Goodness, this is, this is the hard work of prayer. This is the hard work of struggle. This takes time. This is not jump to, put it back on the wall where hammers go. This takes time and struggle with it. What do I do with this situation? Is this church discipline? Or should I break fellowship with this individual? Because they have, they've colored way outside the lines. They're writing on the wall, never mind in the coloring book. Should I break fellowship with this individual because the Bible says that I should not even eat with someone who is... Or is this a situation for grace? Even, even making this decision is not black and white. It can be agonizing. If you have ever had a family member who has acted seriously wrong, huh? done something way, like I said, writing on the walls, not just, not just coloring outside the lines, but has seriously deviated from significant Christian standards of behavior. Do you disassociate from this family member? Or do you say, no, it's my sister, or it's my brother, or it's my child, or, or, and say, no, this is grace, and ignore truth. Boy, this is hard. Paul says, forgive others as Christ forgave you. This is grace and truth. Um, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, truth, and to love kindness, grace, and to walk humbly with your God, Everybody agrees, especially as we head into this next election cycle, that our country is a hot mess. We are at each other's throats, and we are drawing lines in the sand and throwing invectives. It's horrible. We have cultural polarization. And and it occurred to me that a lot of that polarization may come down to grace and truth. 
that liberals are full of grace and conservatives are full of truth. Maybe that's an oversimplification, but my guess is you understand what I'm talking about. I remember hearing years ago uh, a a dictado, a Portuguese dictado, a saying, if you're young and, uh, let me see, if you're young and conservative, you don't have a heart. If you're old and liberal, you don't have a brain. Now, they, there's, some, there's some comedy and some truth in all of that. But it looks to me like our country is polarized in 18 different ways. And one of them is grace and truth. That, that the liberal is about grace, and I put that in air quotes, and the conservative is about truth. One likes things black and white, and the other one cares about people, and, and rules and laws are secondary at best. You know where another, uh, another arena where this comes up big time is, and that is parenting. Parenting is about blending grace and truth, and, and the decisions that you have to make. When do you discipline, and when do you say, no, I'm going to let this go? And when do you say, I've got to address this, I've got to say, go and sin no more. I've got to identify it as sin, but that doesn't mean I have to bring down the full weight of the Mosaic law on, on this either. I, um, in my old age, I look back on my parenting and I think I screwed it up. And it is only by the grace of God that I don't have two sons who are both axe murderers. Because, because I parented like I was parented. I was parented by a father who parented like he was parented. My grandfather was from Nova Scotia. He was Scottish. And if you know anything about a Scotsman, he is stern and austere and strict, and he stands straight, rod straight with his shoulders back and uh, takes care of business. And there are, he's black and white. And my father was, if you've ever seen the movie A River Runs Through It, the, the Scottish father who was a Presbyterian minister in that movie, that's the classic. And that was my grandfather. And to a certain extent, it was my father. And to too great an extent, it was me. I was too much about the law and not enough about grace. And if I had to do over again, I'd, I, oh goodness, I wish I could do it over again. I would have so much more grace. There would be a lot less discipline and a lot more hugs, um, including when things were done that should not have been done or not done that should have been done. There would have been more hugs. What, if you're a parent, what is your parenting style? Or what was your parenting style? Did, did you lean more to grace or more to law? Where is that perfect balance? Oh, goodness, parents need wisdom, don't we? Huh? To know when to do this and when to do that. It's very difficult. Which, which leads us to my question for you. Which comes easier in your life? Which comes easier, law or grace? Grace or truth? And, and the fact is that they should both be present, huh? How, if, if you can identify that you are by, um, by proclivity, by inclination, um, more drawn to one than the other, how can you strike a better balance? If I could go back and do it over again, what could I put in place that would help me be more gracious as a parent and less law as a parent? Uh, What social issues should we be applying grace and truth to? 
What about mental illness? What about those who commit crimes who are mentally ill? What about PTSD? What about, uh, what's it called, uh, D-E-D-T-E? The one that, for example, they're finding professional football players get. And they get violent. And, and you, don't, you can't diagnose it until they're dead and you can do an autopsy and, uh, and look at their brain under a microscope. See, we've got so many of these situations where it's too easy to pull out the rubric of the Mosaic Law, the pencil outline on the garage wall, and say, this is what should be. And I'm concerned that especially fundamental Christians can, for the sake of maintaining order and righteousness, forget love and grace. Okay, there's my sermon, huh? There's my talk. You do with it what you will. But I'm going to suggest that you... Do two things. The first is go look at that silly picture that I put on our on our Facebook page, Alphabet Soup, of my garage, a portion of my garage wall. Trust me, all the walls in the garage look like that. And then underline John 1.17 in your Bible so that every time you go by that page, you see that verse. And then, especially if you're a parent, today as you parent, you will come up with situations, right? Today you will, and tomorrow you'll have more. Ask yourself, is this a situation for grace or truth? Or maybe it's a situation for both. Go and sin no more. And how can I blend them in a Christ-like manner? I hope you found this at least thought-provoking. Appreciate you being here. Always looking for feedback. Um, ABC Soup Podcast at gmail.com or our Facebook page, Alphabet Soup. Thanks very much, folks. God bless. Mm-hmm.